Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're looking forward to Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Last week, it was timely that Pastor Jim preached through the end of Mark chapter 15, where we encountered the crucifixion. So we're transitioning this week with perfect timing into Mark chapter 16 and the discovery of the empty tomb. Here is today's slice of the message entitled, Trembling and Astonishment. Hey, how does a troop of soldiers do on staying awake when they're on guard? That's a pretty big deal. That's even more preposterous. Surely, if the soldiers were sleeping, when these disciples came, they moved that gigantic stone, they would have awakened at least one soldier. And by the way, it's rather obvious Do you realize that the soldiers came and described exactly what happened while they were unconscious? There's a problem with that. You don't know what happens around you when you're asleep. Well, the message from the angel was pretty simple. Verse 7, he says, see, here's where he was laid. But go, tell his disciples and Peter... He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now it's a special little touch that he described this. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Remember, Peter was Mark's friend and Peter was probably Mark's source for the material in this gospel. And Peter had a a very special relationship with Jesus. He was the closest one of the inner three to the Lord. Peter's fall was spectacular when he denied the Lord the night of his betrayal and trial. His humiliation was profound. So the angel, speaking on orders from God, makes sure that Peter gets singled out to be included. Just in case you don't know how Jesus restored Peter, flip over to John 21 and you can read that on your own time. Well, the instruction for the disciples was, he's not here, he's risen. Um, Now, ladies, I want you to go tell the disciples and Peter, go to Galilee. This happens in Jerusalem, the crucifixion and resurrection. Go to Galilee, about 75 miles to the north, where Jesus spent most of his time, where Peter and Andrew and James and John, all those guys were from anyway. Go to Galilee, and Jesus will meet them there. Well, they didn't exactly hightail it to Galilee. They eventually got there, but they didn't go that day. But in His grace, Jesus met them in Jerusalem more than once, starting the night of this day that's recorded here. And then He did eventually meet with them in Galilee. And that, by the way, that's where Peter was restored. So Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. The tomb is empty, one evidence for the resurrection. An angel announced it, another evidence for the resurrection. And thirdly, the women were astonished. 
the end of Mark's gospel is perfect for the way Mark wrote Mark's gospel. This is the shortest of the four records of Jesus' life. It has the shortest ending. He, he wrote his whole gospel with this sense of, of urgency. Remember, we saw many times one of Mark's favorite words is immediately, immediately, immediately. And so Mark ends his book just as you would expect, kind of, well, immediately. Now, your composition professor would tell you if you turned in a manuscript like the book of Mark, you would tell you that, uh, well, this needs an epilogue. This needs a more rounded conclusion. But your composition professor is not the Holy Spirit, not the one who guided Mark's every word and gave it to us just like this. Mark 16, verse 8. They went out and fled from the tomb. Remember, they'd gone inside, they'd been shown where he was laid, and they'd been told to go. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. That's a powerful verse, and the words there are very dramatic. Uh, The verbs in that verse paint quite a picture let me take a stab at a, at a combination of a very literal translation of the words as they are in the Greek and the, and the picture that it paints. It would go uh, something like this. Having exited, in other words, they scurried out from the tomb. Having exited, they were fleeing from the tomb because they were quaking and in ecstasy. And they weren't talking to each other because they were fearing God. This ends with these women absolutely amazed and astounded. And look, they understood now. And they were completely blown away. They, knew, they couldn't think of anything to say each other. They were, they were shaking, they were trembling, and their, and their minds were in a place they'd never possibly considered. Now we know that there's more to the story than what we have here in verse 8. The women did go and tell the disciples that um, he had risen. We know that Peter and John came running. We know that word spread quickly. We know that that night Jesus appeared to them in person. Over 20 years later, the Apostle Paul was given this revelation to give us a bit of a postlude to the Gospels. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 4 through 8, Paul writes, He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures and appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the twelve. That was that night. He appeared to all but uh, one of them, and then later they included uh, Thomas. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, which would have been about 55, 57, uh, the year 55 to 57. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. 
that appearance to Paul, not all the way up until Acts chapter 9. But he appeared to those 11. He obviously appeared to all of them after they had chosen Matthias in Mark chapter 1. Now Mark, this gospel of Mark, is a marvelous work of the Holy Spirit. Um, The Holy Spirit bore along, carried along, guided along the human author, just as he did for every word of the Bible. That process is described in 2 Peter chapter 1. This book ends with people quaking and in ecstasy and completely wrapped up in the reverent fear of God. That's the right place for this book to end. You think about how it started. The first sentence of the book is also what we call the first verse of the book, and it stands like a a title or a heading over the book that tells us the purpose of the book. Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, what Mark is doing is telling you this is a book about good news, and I want to tell you how it all got started with, with Jesus. The word gospel, good news, euangelion, our word evangelism and evangelize comes from it. Um, The word was understood in the Greek and Roman world. It was always, the, the euangelion was the announcement of something good. The good news usually associated with uh, the arrival or the presence of a king or a general, and especially after winning a victory. Mark says, I'm going to tell you about the life of Jesus. That's the beginning of the great news about Jesus. This picture is now complete. And now we understand the evidence is in. He is the Son of God. And that's completed when the ultimate act of His first coming is completed, and that act is the resurrection. You don't have the good news of Jesus without the resurrection. Now, an interesting phenomenon through the Gospel of Mark is that from the beginning of that book up until chapter 15, the only ones who ever make the proclamation that Jesus is the Son of God in the book of Mark are demons. They get unmasked when Jesus is around. They panic and flip out and call Him who He really is. That is, only demons all the way up until chapter 15. It was at the crucifixion. Piecing together the Gospels, we know it came right after Jesus cried out, It is finished. One Greek word, tetelestai. It is finished. And then he voluntarily breathed his final breath and gave up his life. We saw this at that moment in Mark chapter 15 and verse 39. When the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. He knew he'd been called that. There was the placard over the cross that said, this is Jesus, the Nazareth, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the, of the Jews. They knew that he had been accused of blasphemy of claiming to be God. And now these women and the disciples that they were on their way to tell, they came to the understanding on Resurrection Day. They now know for sure 
beyond a shadow of doubt, this man truly is the Son of God. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.